0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Rangers get ready to head to Portugal, looking to bounce back from their weekend disappointment. Jeremy Frimpong singing Neil Lennon's praises after his impressive showing at the weekend. And a study yesterday revealing footballers are three times more likely to die of dementia. I'm Gordon Duncan. Joining me tonight is Gordon Diel and Roger Hanna. And the big two cannot be separated by points. They cannot be separated by goal difference. At a minute, Gordon, they're only separated by goals scored. If it's like this, come the end of the season, we'll have another helicopter Sunday. And after his skydiving exploits last season, there's only one man to get into that chopper for Super Scoreboard. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going there. Um... Yeah, I think uh, it's building up to be a great title race, Gordon. I know it's still early in the season, but I said on Saturday, and I'll stand by it just now, after watching both Rangers and Celtic at home, um, I think they can get through the season, and the only team that can beat them is Celtic or Rangers at home. So I think everything will depend on away form, and we've already seen so far, there's a lot of um, points could be dropped. And a big week of course Roger On the European front as well Well listen The next two Match day three and match day four Are the two big ones These are The Champions League style games Of the two sections For Celtic Lazio home and away A great Italian name A great Champions League pedigree Some terrific players Sergei Milinkovic Savic Chiro Immobile Guys like that You know Coming to Glasgow There'll be a stern test for Celtic Arguably the sternest test They'll get in the group And for Rangers Home and away against Porto Over to the Dragao Porto have been in the Champions League Season upon season They've just dropped in out the qualifiers this year This will be the ultimate test for Rangers Come Thursday night over in Portugal You can tell this man's just back from holiday He's really sharp tonight First time I've ever seen him The darkest out of us three I, on a I Tuesday know, night Because you and I have got the Well I've got sallow skin You like sunbeds And no, Roger's no, no, usually No 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 I've got the sallow skin Nah as well. I don't think so um, But Roger's he's the looking He's bronzed oh, He's looking very he's bronzed. well Yeah he's looking very good Was it, um, any, was it a football fact finding mission Or about downtime Listen Butte's lovely at this time of year I can imagine mm. uh, But in seriousness Gordon it's, it's a big week Um and this is just what you have to get used to It's the Thursday, Sunday It's back again after the international break And um, it'll be interesting to see how both feel Yeah, uh, both uh, big games, Gordon Both difficult games, you've got to say uh, Celtic with the home advantage Rangers obviously going to Porto um, With a bit of work to do after Sunday's display um, They'll be really disappointed At the way they played against Hearts The way they defended, first and foremost um, Stephen Gerrard will be working on that to put it right and um, Celtic at home after watching them against Ross County I know Lazio are completely different from Los, uh, Ross County but going forward attacking the way they moved the ball I thought Celtic were absolutely brilliant at the weekend Saturday uh, what, what was your overall sort of feelings after the weekend Roger there's, we're living week to week at the moment Celtic have a wee disappointment prior to the break and in the first match day back, it's Rangers who have that away disappointment and, and it sees Celtic take advantage once more. Yeah, and, it, and it's like it was, Gordon, in the old days where, you know, the, the team who went first at the weekend, if you like, would, would try and get the victory that would put the pressure on the team that went second. Um, Celtic certainly cranked up the pressure with that 6-0 on Saturday afternoon over to Rangers on Sunday. 
and they stuttered and they stalled and they, and they only got a point at Tynecastle and they only deserved a point at Tynecastle even Stephen Gerrard admitted that himself so now we've got an interesting weekend because Celtic go up to Aberdeen an Aberdeen team has just won 3-0 at Fir Park against Motherwell Sunday lunchtime the pressure will be on Celtic to get the positive result and if they get that positive result it's then to Ibrox for Rangers and all the point Daz is making nobody else will beat them other, you know, other than Celtic nobody else can beat them domestically at Ibrox but they're home to the team who are currently sitting mm-hmm. third in the Premiership which will be the biggest test they'll get 0141 that's the number you need to get in touch tonight anything at all that's on your mind put it to the guys and uh, we'll get stuck right into some good discussion and debate hopefully you can also tweet if you would rather do that at Clyde SSB let's go straight to the phones and speak to Tom who's a Rangers fan from Cumbernauld hi Tom good evening good evening Gordon good evening Andy good evening the, sorry, good evening and uh, Two Gordons Gordon. and a Roger, you're fine yeah. Good evening Gordon and Roger Good evening Tom uh, I hope you're, this you're well tonight All good uh, As you know Roger and Gordon I've been there on a few times And I've got a couple of points about Rangers on Sunday The performance Sunday It's bitterly disappointing to lose the, Well not lose to Well not get the three points mm-hmm. And a point to Gordon, the three years is, do you think the Tavernier needs to get dropped? Or if the if, if Brian Flanagan, just for a few games until he gets his confidence back, because his performances have dipped, I think, this season. He, he certainly came in for a bit of criticism. Um, it's well documented. Everybody says it. Defensively. He's not great going forward, and he's quality ball into the box. Even I'm, I'm, I'm hearing Rangers fans now saying that even that's missing just now. He was poor at Tynecastle. Yeah, it was a mistake for a goal. We all understand that. He's a captain. Uh, I'll be up to the manager. He'll have a an idea of, you know, day to day he's training, how he's looking, how he's feeling. He's 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 either got to come out, come out of it, Gordon, or he's got to play through it. He's, what he's would you not, do right now If you were in Stephen Gerrard's shoes I'd play him I'd you just play keep him. him in Yeah 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 I'd stand by him Why? Because uh, I think he brings more to the table That playing Than sitting on the bench for me I know that People will come on here and argue about What about the goal he gave away there He's defending He's some he's crossing at the weekend Was poor I understand that But I just think that He's a kind of player He's been there Week in week out for Rangers Throughout the seasons since he since he signed at Rangers, he's a captain. I know people now question that, but he's the captain of your team. I think he can he can play his way out at Gordon. Mm-hmm. I think he's decent enough to play his way out at. He's going through a, a tricky spell at the club just now. It's up to him to show a bit of character. The reason why the manager made him captain, you've got to stand up and count it. This is a time for him. Me personally, people will argue. I would play him Roger this story's actually Moved on a bit today um, A story in the, the Daily Record I think it was this morning With Mark Warburton uh, Saying Along the lines of Careful what you wish for With, with the criticism of James Tavernier Because he says There's a host of English top flight managers Ready Or, or, or Interested in, in taking James Tavernier Away from Rangers I bet there isn't um, at, the risk of, <laughs> at the risk of Repeating myself And I spoke to us In the show The Saturday after Rangers had lost in Bern Now I like James Tavernier I think James Tavernier brings a lot to the Rangers team. He creates a lot of goals. He scores a lot of set paces. He scores a lot of penalties. I think going forward, he's a very good player. Now, Stephen Gerrard won't drop him. 
But what I said in the show a couple of weeks ago, and I like Ray and Craig BT trying to take me to task a wee bit. I don't know whether they misunderstood my point. My point is simple. James Tavernier can't defend. He's not a very good defender at all. Mm. And over the years, he hasn't learned how to defend any better. Yeah. As evidenced time and time and time again. Look at the ball he gave away for James Forrest in the last Old Firm game. The two mistakes he made in Bern. There you are again at the weekend. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying drop James Tavernier, but what I'm saying is, and I said it in the show a couple of weeks ago, if Stephen Gerrard's going to persevere with him at right back, it does so with his eyes open to the fact that James Tavernier will continue to make mistakes and those mistakes can lead to goals. Now, if Stephen Gerrard's happy to continue with him there and that full knowledge that this will happen, then fair play to him. I'm not saying drop James Tavernier. At the minute, I don't think he's got no talented because Flanagan's still recovering from surgery and Matt Polster is extremely inexperienced and I don't think you could put him in the team away to Porto. So, so Tavernier will play. I've nothing against Tavernier. He brings immense qualities to the team. I certainly don't think he's English Premier League quality at all. But if you continue with him in the team, he'll bring you plenty going forward and he'll mm-hmm. cost you from time to time at the back. Tom, what do you think? The, <coughs> I agree with some of the points, but the, you can't keep making mistakes because it's a big scene for Rangers. I've got to... When, when they can't afford to drop silly points for silly defensive mistakes. But before I, I go, the can what about even playing three at the back and pushing maybe further up like a wing back? Yeah, um, that, that, yeah, a lot of people uh, talk about that. That's up to the manager. The manager likes playing my back four. It's as simple as that. Now, you can point the finger at Tavernier, yes. Is that a viable option, though? Because fullbacks like Mark Wilson on the show and, and Fraser last week explained you know, that it's completely different because of the higher up you are, you receive the ball in a different position, I, I your actually, body position is different, that, you don't have the full pitch to look yeah. forward to. So it's not an automatic solution, is it? Just because he's better attacking than he is no, defending. No, because, see, for instance, um, if he went away from home in, in, in Thursday night at Porto, and he plays a, a, a wing-back. Now, that would probably be a five. He'd be very defensive. He would still be in the same position to go and attack the full length of the pitch. But when you're at Ibrox, and obviously you get the most percentage of the play, then I think he's got to come for a deep position. I, totally, I, I had the conversation with Fraser. I totally agree. But I, I think that people are getting... Carried away And everything's getting put At Tavernier's door I'll give you a perfect example If I'm the Rangers manager uh, And I'm I'm looking at The early stages Of the game on Saturday uh, Sunday sorry When Hearts hit the bar What about the left back? Why does he not Close that down better? Why does nobody Point the finger at him? But Tavernier's made the mistake That's led to a goal But unfortunately enough For the left back He gets away with it Because it hits the bar Now The I'm saying I've said it all along I don't think Cattage and Golson Are a good partnership I really don't I think they need to change that So as much as yes Let's all look at Tavernier just now People want him dropped Why is he the captain? I think Tavernier's got a lot to offer But Like everybody else uh, Like Roger And everybody else is his weakness defending? Yes, but I think he brings more to the table going forward. Thanks to Tom and Cumbernauld. Let's get an alternative view from Justin in the city centre. Hi, Justin. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good, thanks, um, Justin. I was hoping to go on last night. I find myself first, for the first time agreeing with Gordon. Oh, dear. Which is a bit a frightening aspect, to be fair. But um, I'll change my point the, of view then, the, Justin. <laughs> the, the, the reason I was I was coming on tonight, I was hoping to go on last night, to be honest, because... I, 
I'm, I'm, as a Rangers fan, I'm getting a bit disheartened and, and demoralised, to be honest with you, listening to people coming on and slating Tavernier and slating the manager. The manager doesn't know what he's doing. We call us last night and all this kind of stuff. And he, he shouldn't be a, a Rangers manager. He hasn't got it. And Tav hasn't got it. I, I think as much as it's good to be now competing with Celtic on a like-for-like basis and, and genuinely having a title challenge and being in Europe and, and playing against teams like Rapid Vienna and Porto and getting the expectation. I think we've also got to be a wee bit realistic in the fact of where we were three years ago, four years ago. Teams like Liverpool, teams like Man United down south, or any of the top six down south, don't, their fans don't expect them to win week in, week out. They genuinely don't. Even the Liverpool fans don't expect them to week in, week out. Where, where have we got the divine right to now expect that Rangers fans, because we're now challenging with Celtic, because we're in a far better place, because we've got a quality manager in place and quality players, that all of a sudden we expect to win week in, week out. We're starting to have a short memory. We need to be backing people that have... Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody goes through dips in games. And they start jumping on people's bandwagon and jumping on people's backs. It doesn't help. You think we would have learned for that over the last couple of seasons and annihilating people. Time to start getting behind the manager. We've got a solid, strong manager. Best we've probably had since, I would probably say, Walter Smith. And that carries himself well, carries the club well. It does everything, as far as I'm concerned, the right way. Start, time to start laying off, start backing people as opposed to throwing criticism and you know, cardboard managers that played FIFA for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden they're a football manager and know what they're doing. But I, I agree with you, Jordan. I think people need to back off Tavernier a wee bit and take it for what it is. People make mistakes. Support them. Play through it. Don't start criticising and nailing people to the wall because that doesn't help. The biggest, the biggest problem now for Tavernier, and it's unfortunate, the mistakes that he's making are getting punished. As I said, if that if that ball that comes over from the right hand side goes in, and Saturday early on, uh, Sunday sorry, Gordon, you're having you're mm-hmm. having a real goat your left back. Why is he allowing that cross to come in? Why is he not out there stopping that cross to come in? Unfortunately for Tavernier now, it's just the way things are going. That happens in football. Everybody gets their turn at it. Every little mistake that he's making is getting punished, highlighted. Tavernier stripping the captaincy, get him out of the team. You know, what's uh, Stephen Gerrard doing? I just think, my personal opinion, and you ask me, would I stick with him? Yes, I would. Uh, Roger, the uh, the, the defence, if you like, against uh, the sort of the case that you put up talking about his mistakes and his defensive weaknesses, I think Mark Warburton said it in, in that piece, is that people focus more on what he can't do rather than what he can do. Oh, no, no listen, I, I, I'm very careful to say, I said it a couple of weeks ago and I said it at the start of the show. What he brings to the table is important to Rangers. It really is. He'll have scored more goals than any other fullback probably since Sandy Jardin for Rangers. He's been um, prolific, partly from set play, but you know also from open play as well. He scored goals. He gets forward. He creates a lot of goals. His stats in the final third will be very impressive if you could just sit down and look at them. As Dad says, though, the, the problem the problem he has is at the other end of the pitch, he is. Susceptible to making these mistakes mm-hmm. And unfortunately for him Is it two or three In quite quick succession So the good stuff going forward For once Is being overshadowed By the poor stuff at the back A lot of times in his Rangers career The good stuff going forward Has overshadowed The poor stuff at the back And he's looked really really good He's just been unfortunate 
that he's made some high profile errors as Daz says those high profile errors have led to goals shouldn't detract from what he brings going forward I've never said at any stage take him out of the team I've said in the past you could maybe move him forward one once Flanagan's fit and play him further up the park so there's a bit of defensive cover in certain games but you know Stephen Gerrard will keep him in the team Stephen Gerrard will retain him as captain but he'll do so with his eyes open to his defensive flaws if he was perfect defensively he wouldn't be playing for Rangers he would be playing in the English Premier League Justin we get a lot of calls and a lot of tweets on this show not only criticising his defending but the the, the skill set required to be a captain I take it listening to your opening remarks that's not something you buy into? No uh, that, yes he's he's Positionally, sometimes a bit naive. I, I, I think he's not a, what you would class as an out-and-out defender. But you know, like like they've said, that what he contributes. I mean, I think it was what twenty-two assists or something like that last season, which is a lot higher than even a lot of mm-hmm. goal-scoring attacking midfielders in Scotland, let alone a right back. Do you know what I mean? So, so what he provides going forward, like you've said, is probably one of the best. In Scotland, that's why he's probably one of the best in Europe. But I had to do, do better defensively. I think a big, big difference in the last season to him this season and missing some of the highlighted parts that you're talking about make mistakes is I think this is us now starting to notice where Candace really supported him and covering a lot of his runs and the legwork and the running that Candace used to do. That isn't there anymore. So it's having to be Goldson that comes out and covers it, it's having to be Cathedral which is pulling one of them out of position to cover Tav's gap. And I think that's where that the kind of mistakes are being made because somebody else is having to cover it. I've heard, that, I've heard that quite a lot, Gordon. Um, it, it might be true because Justin's not alone. But is there also the possibility, because this happens in football, that players become better when once they've left or better when they're not there uh, just because people start putting two and two together? Well, what I'll say, Gordon, on this is I was very surprised that Candace left the club. I, I actually liked him as a player, right? I, I liked him. I thought he was a very willing worker, up and down the line yes he was a, what you call a straight runner in the game he just went up and down the right hand side I thought he put in some terrific balls done his shift surprised at that but if you look at this what I call a myth about uh, Candace you know uh, uh, no because let's go back to the, the Sunday Hearts goal if Candace was on that part he's, he's still making a mistake so it's nothing to do with Candace And if you look at other mistakes that he's made yeah, It's not like he's getting exposed is it In no, terms of, of wingers no, running at him no, he's It's made more the, just judgement errors more, Yeah, that's exactly what it is Gordon It's just judgement now And he's getting punished for it Justin can in I, the can, city centre b- b- Before we change tag Can I just tell you At the weekend I was um, just down the road From a football stadium in Antalya uh-huh. and The score at the weekend was Antalya Spore nil Gentler Belligi 6 and of the six goals, Daniel Candace scored three and created two in the Turkish Super League. Oh, I miss him. There we go. That's why we sent you on the scouting <laughs> mission for good reason. Justin, the city centre, thank you very much. It's 01419511025. We're going to try and look forward. I'm going to speak to our Italian football guru to get the, the latest. <laughs> Gordon Dale, it's not you. What don't worry. You don't have to look at me like that. <laughs> uh, the latest on Lazio's form ahead of the Europa League game with Celtic. That's coming up after the travel. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Compensation you deserve. When there's been foul play, talk to Thompson's.com. 
Gordon DL and Roger Hanna here with me, Gordon Duncan, and tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. So many tweets coming in at Clyde SSB still about James Tavernier. Colin Williams puts up a good defence. He says Rogers come up with three games in which Tavernier's made mistakes. Yet he's played 154. Two percent of the games mentioned he may have had awful mistakes. But a player that had 20 assists last season 16 from open play Is worth it Totally agree with Gordon He says uh, Dell is subscribing to the Candeus theory As well Dell says Any mistakes Tav made last season Were covered up by Candeus Rangers are now missing Candeus And are weaker On the right Compared to last season It's 0141 In the phones uh, We are of course Trying to look forward Because we've got a massive week Coming up in the Europa League For both Rangers and Celtic uh, So let's turn our attentions To Celtic Against Lazio In the company of Alistair McKenzie Alistair is a sports journalist Based in Rome He's going to give us The expert insight Into Lazio uh, Alistair thanks for joining us How are you? Yeah I'm very well Thanks Thanks for having me on Not a problem Good to have you um, How would you sum up Lazio at the moment then What type of Form do they arrive in We were all keeping an eye On things at the weekend In that dramatic Three all draw <laughs> But in a more general sense How would you sum them up At the moment? Well yeah I expect some people Probably kept an eye on that And thought that It was a bit of a one-off But actually it was quite a Quite a neat summary Really of where Lazio are at At the moment Because they are um, A bit of an erratic team They've come under A bit, a bit of pressure the, the coach and the players Already this season From fans Because um, they are lacking a bit of consistency. Um, they're very capable of playing excellent attacking football, getting good results, but they're also capable of uh, not really showing up in big games and small games. Um, they've already thrown away leads twice this season in the space of four days against uh, Spal and Serie A and closing their um, opening Europa League games. So, yeah, but they are a very talented team, but they're also a very frustrating team, and they come into this game really with without any of those questions being answered at this stage. What what type of team are they? I mean, whether it be sort of tactically or the way they approach games, what should Celtic fans expect at Celtic Park on Thursday? Well, they are a team who like to take the game to the opposition, and their strength is definitely more in attack than it is in defence. They play a 3-5-2 system, um, but usually have two of the uh, central midfielders in that midfield side push up to support the two up front. Um, so they do, like I say, like to um, you know, like to try and score more goals than the opposition is the, the general uh, state of play. But um, yeah, I mean, having said that, the game against Celtic on Thursday, it remains to be seen what kind of uh, team will line up for that because it's very likely that the team will be rotated as it generally is for the Europa League group stage games and that uh, not necessarily a B team will be put out but a lot of the, the key players are likely to be rested for the game which means that perhaps the balance will be a bit different for that one Alistair, there's been talk already Luis Alberto, the former Liverpool player could be one that's rested I know you know there's doubts over Manuel Lazari even Stefan Rado might not come are Lazio not treating the group stages as as maybe as importantly as Celtic treat them? Yeah, I, I don't think so, no. I mean, there there's a, a general kind of apathy around the club and the fan base anyway um, about this, this tournament, or at least I should say this this stage of this tournament by now. Um, that comes mostly from the fact that Lazio have been involved in the Europa League for I think kind of six out of the last seven years. Generally, they you know they always get through the group stages usually fairly easily, and I think uh, there there is possibly um, a bit of a lax attitude towards it because of that. 
I think the group they've got themselves into this season is, is more uh, testing perhaps than the ones they've had in the past. But um, only 8,000 fans bothered turning up for the game against Wren, which was their only home game so far, which was, you know, kind of told you everything you really need to know about how the fans view, view this stage of the competition. So, yeah, um, I think it's also seen as uh, an opportunity for some of the fringe players in the squad, obviously, who who want to be pushing for first-team spots to, to, to kind of put their hands up and try and see that they're worthy of that. And, you know, the squad depth isn't brilliant, it's decent. Um, but, uh, yeah, like you say, if Luis Alberto, for example, is taken out of the team, they also, they automatically are, are blunted a lot in what they can offer. He's He's got the joint most assists in Serie A this season. He's been absolutely instrumental in the way that Lazio attack. Um, so dropping a player like him out of the team does just change what kind of a threat they can pose. There was two goals again at the weekend for Chiro and Mobley. I'm sure Celtic fans would, would, would regard Mobley as the biggest threat to Celtic on Thursday night. Will, will he start the game, do you expect? Um, at this stage, it's still quite hard to say. Um, the training reports that came out from the session that was put on this morning were pointing towards him not starting um, because Felipe Caicedo and Flacking Correa were kind of tested together in the front two. Um, it's very likely Caicedo will start. Um, he's the one who didn't play on, on Saturday in the Atalanta game, so he, he, he's likely to start this one. Immobile, though, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one. He he wants to play every game. Um, the guy has got a massive appetite for football, for scoring goals. Um, there's no doubt about it that he'll be kind of um, really up for um, getting his teeth sunk into this match. But uh, it really is up to whether Inzaghi judges it to be um, in the team's best interests. I think he'll already have a bit of an eye on um, Sunday night against Fiorentina, which is in a, a quite a big away game in Serie A for Lazio. There's a very busy period at the moment between between the league and um, the Europa League group stages. So I think there is a possibility that Immobile um, will be left on the bench. But the one thing I should say as well is that the last game against Rennes, um, Lazio played very poorly for the first hour, um, were one down. And it was actually the substitutions that changed the game. Um, Luis Alberto and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic both started on the bench in that game. But when they came on, they, between the two of them, managed to oh, um, completely change the course of the game and, and turn it around to win. So even if some of these players do start on the bench, I wouldn't put it past them to be able to make an impact at some point. Great insight, Alistair. Thank you very much for joining us. No problem at all, thanks. Good man, that was Alistair McKenzie. Uh, as you can hear, a man who knows a lot more about Lazio and Italian football than we do, giving us the, mm. the inside track on what to expect from Lazio uh, on Thursday night. It is difficult to predict, Gordon. We're not asking Alistair to, uh, to to predict the future too much, but it all sounds quite encouraging for Celtic in, in the sense that if, if Lazio aren't treating this or haven't been treating the Europa League as, as serious as they might otherwise have. Yeah, very interesting to see, uh, you know, hear that. In, it might be a B team, Gordon. Uh, that's how you know important this tournament is to Lazio. But sometimes you, you yeah, you just, can't, you can't, yeah, you've take got it for granted. You've got can to you? wait. I'm sure Neil Lennon will not be paying any attention to that sort of information. He'll be doing his homework on probably Lazio's strongest team. He'll be working in formations. He'll be working in tactics, everything like that. He uh, knows how important the game is for Celtic. And especially at Celtic Park So he'll be concentrating Make sure he gets a win And gets three points Whether Lazio 
come over and play a weakened team that's completely up to themselves Celtic will just be concentrating winning that game but on Thursday night William's a Celtic fan on the line let's bring William in uh, are you looking at, looking forward to this one on Thursday William? I was really interested in listening to that boy there uh, obviously I've, I've watched Lazio a few times and on and that, that boy in the middle of the park is sort of a quarterback he sort of plays that that Alberto he plays that if you stop him you stop Lazio so it was interesting to hear that, that he might not be playing and obviously I think they've got a wee quick guy, uh, Carrera, who plays on the left wing. It, it looks, a, it looks a good, a danger, you know. But it'd be interesting to see who they play and who they don't play. And obviously, Mobley, we know all about him, you know. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. But uh, the games that I've watched last year, they played at a really slow tempo, and I know it's different in Italy, and I know it's a different level. But the way I look at it, if Celtic play at a, a high, the, the way they're playing the high tempo, then we've got a chance of beating Lazio, especially if they're t- talking about dropping their players, you know. It's just a, it's just going about uh, the boy Ellen and I spoke to Gordon before he, before he got a game for Celtic and we were talking about Mikey Johnson and obviously Sinclair on that side and all, but I was wanting to ask Gordon uh, what he thinks of Ellen and what he brings to the team. He's obviously bringing the goals that we're missing from Sinclair. So, and we spoke about, uh, like, say, Mikey Johnson, his great start to the season, and it can easily be forgotten about. But I just think when you're looking at Elanusi, it looks as if he's going to bring more to the game than Mikey Johnson. I would just want to ask Gordon his opinion on that. Yeah, well, I've got to say that Mikey Johnson started the season brilliantly. Um, he got an injury that's obviously putting him out of the team just now. If I was picking the team and everybody was fit, on the evidence so far, Elianusi, I think, would start for me. I think that uh, his positional play is very good. He scored a couple of goals at the weekend there. I thought his first goal, he gets a break of the ball and then his composure sticks the ball in the back of the net. Uh, he creates things as well. I think that he's, he's grown in confidence, I've got to say. I think he's getting better by the game. I certainly now realise... OK, I wouldn't pay that sort of money, but I can understand why somebody looks at this lad and thinks there's a great bit of potential there and paid big money for him. As I say, Mikey Johnson, big fan, but if everybody was fit to now, the way he's playing, El Yunusi for me. Yeah, he costs £16 million. You yeah. know, he's not just a young rookie that's been thrown into the team. He's an established Norwegian international. He's played in the English Premier League. Celtic fans remember, you know, what he did as a Molder player as well. So he's got the pedigree. Four years ago this week? Yeah, I, think, well, I think all Neil Lennon can do, you know, with these lone players is say, listen, here you go. There's a platform. You go and play and show us what you can do. And, and El Yunusi has done that And he's, for me he's taking the chance I agree with you I, I would have him straight in the team And I, I think he'll play the I game th- on Thursday night I think more games he's getting Roger He's looking better He's looking more confident And especially when you start off And you score a good goal at the weekend It sets Celtic off And obviously a, a comfortable victory Yes everybody can complain ah, Well it's only Ross County But you've still got to go out there And perform in front of the crowd And you know make sure you keep yourself in that position Because there's lots of competition there I think the boy's playing very, very well just now. You get the final say, William. I, can, I, I totally agree. I think I hadn't seen Ellen saying that. I think he probably does bring more, and especially if he's bringing goals like Sinclair on that side, bring goals there. Uh, you could probably say that Ellen is probably uh, a better level to play than, than Mikey Johnson, but I wouldn't rule out Mikey Johnson. I, I still like the boy, and I hope he gets as much, uh, as, as much game time as possible. It's just a wee point about. Uh, Roger, I don't know about Roger. 
It was funny because we, in Roger and Saturday, I don't think he was involved in anything. And I know he's just back for injury, but I just think even though we won 6 nothing, the game sort of passed him by. And I, I, don't think, I don't think he'll start in Thursday. I think he'll probably bring Christie back in. So I just think to myself, it was a strange one with Rodjick playing and, and he hardly had a touch of the ball and even though we won 6 nothing, it was a bit strange. Well, do you know, I, I actually watched him because I've, I've been a big fan of his. Um, for I think you set up the, the fan club, did you not? The yeah, official... Yeah, I've been a big... I, and, and to be fair, the, the lad's never let me down because he's been terrific. <laughs> Apart from on Saturday when he didn't no, get a touch well, against I'm, Ross County. Well, I'm going to say, I, I, I was sitting with Alison watching him and he just looked like a guy that hadn't played a lot of football, Gordon. He needs a bit more sharpness. He, need, he needs more game time. He certainly got the ability. He was still getting into good positions, but he was taking that extra touch that he normally doesn't take, and he was getting caught in the ball a few times. He didn't influence it the way he normally does. But Christie is the number one in that position just now. Thanks to William and Craig End. There are various ways to get in touch tonight, of course. Don't forget, it's not only the phones. And James from Irvine has a very simple question, Roger. He says, where is Greg Taylor? I don't suppose he means right now. I think he means generally. Well, listen, he's super scoreboard. Uh, the rest of Scottish football on a Tuesday evening, I would have thought. Um, Greg Taylor has probably been slightly unlucky. I think if Greg Taylor had been in the door before Bolly Bolingoli, then the roles might have been reversed. But Bolingoli got there first, getting the team first. He overcame the initial hiccups, if you like, and he's performed well. And Neil Lennon doesn't want to take him out of the team when you know when he's performing well. So Greg Taylor will just have to bide his time, work away. I think he's a he's a diligent young man. I think he'll work hard. I think he'll try and impress up at Lennox Town. And when the moment comes, you know, be, it might take an injury to ball and go left. see him in the bench, Roger? No, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of teams will put a, a natural left back in the bench. They'll want guys who are more versatile like in the bench. Uh, Johnny Hayes could fill in at left back. He can fill in further up the park. I think, you know, you need versatility on your bench. I think that probably works Arsenal against Greg Taylor. Arsenal had a 26 million player on their bench last night, left back. Uh, listen, there's, there's problems at Arsenal. If Unai Emery cannot see that Kieran Tierney is a better player than Siad Kolasinac if Unai Emery can't see I'm a better player than Siad Kolasinac then there's problems uh, we just gave you the insight into Lazio ahead of their game with Celtic Rangers fans don't you feel left out we'll do the exact same thing for Porto after the travel Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Road Accident Solicitors the compensation you deserve when you've been sidelined talk to thompsons.com Gordon DL and Roger Hanna are here with me, Gordon Duncan, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. We are about to speak to our Portuguese football expert, going to give us the lowdown on Porto ahead of the meeting with Rangers on Thursday. Let's squeeze in a call quickly before we do that uh, and check in with Brian, who's a Rangers fan on the line. What's on your mind tonight, Brian? My point tonight is uh, the Rangers defence. Uh, maybe when you do when you hear just to drop Davenir just for a game or two, just to just to keep on and and I just think they changed the back two centre backs willy nilly he needs to get these two centre backs playing whether it be Edmondson if he's that all your ravens about him he should be playing straight away whether it be Golson, Katic or Hollander because I think Golson's never been I don't think I think he's played in all the games they came or maybe one or two but he changes centre backs willy nilly too, too often for my liking he should have a steady but Steady back line like Terry Richard, Richard Goff, no then they need their settled partnership and until maybe one gets injured, but I think maybe that's what the problem is. Uh, let me put that. Let me put that point t- to Roger. Roger, I mean, like any manager, he certainly does change his players. That, that that's what 
what managers do Is it quite willy-nilly though? Because I'm sure if you looked at the stats Which I don't have to hand Katic and Goldson together would be By far the number one partnership used It doesn't change that often, does it? No, it doesn't change that often Helander's played a few times Edmondson I think came in for the Hamilton game, was it? And played, but more often than not It's it's Goldson and Katic A lot of these changes... You know, a lot of it nowadays, Gordon, it's down to sports science and, and the stats and who's needing to rest and who's needing to play and how often they play. And, and there'll be key guys within the team. Does tell you himself, there'll be a sort of leadership group within the team who will play right through McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis. Uh, you know, they, they'll tend to play Arfield when he's, you know, not just back from Canada and things like that. Those are the important players. And then they'll drop in others around and about you know Barisic was in and out of the team at the start of the season albeit it seems to be a regular now Arebo's been in and out Kamara's been in and out Ojo's been in and out so the, the, the key guys will, will play every game I don't think it is Willie Nelly it's a, lot, it's a lot more scientific than that I'm sure Stephen Gerrard would tell you um, they won't drop Tavernier just now there's no alternative to Tavernier Flanagan's unfit Poster's too inexperienced um, and I don't think he would want to either drop him or take the captaincy off him I don't think you know any loss of form, any loss of confidence in Tavernier is at that stage yet. But it's another big game for him, and there's a run of big games coming up. You think of Porto, you didn't think a third place Motherwell, an away game at Ross County next Wednesday night, a League Cup semi final against a Hearts team that did so well against them at the weekend. So there's no time to think, oh, oh, I'm having a wee crisis of confidence here. As Dad said earlier on, you just need to play through and get on with it. Can I come back in there? Of course you can. See this, these players that need a rest. Go back to Dale's days, my name. They didn't need a rest. If you're fit, you played. This rest is a load of, load of nonsense. They're fit players. Look at the rugby, for instance. These boys are 18, 19, 20 staying, and they play for the whole 90 minutes. This needing a rest is a load of nonsense. But Gordon, Stephen, able to play. I get that point, but there's a reason that you assemble a squad which is two players for every position. That was the yeah. aim for Stephen Gerrard. They're playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. So whether we like it or not, you know that's just something that has to be done. Yeah, a bit of old school like Brian. You know, as a player, you always want to play in the games, Gordon. You look at McGregor over at Celtic; he plays week in, week out, many games. Does you, he get, you get the odd one, yeah, but by yeah, and large, of course, of course, you do. But I think, going back to Brian's point, um, you look at there's there's two arguments to this. Up until uh, up until Sunday against Hearts, Rangers were sitting top of the league. They just scored ten goals in two home games against conceding nil. So the manager was getting it right. But I do agree I think that I've said it all along Cartage and Golson For me Isn't the best partnership Okay thank you very much To Brian the Rangers fan In Hurlford Uh, I'm pleased to say We're joined on the line now By Jamie Farr Who's a Portuguese football writer He's going to give us uh, The lowdown on Porto Ahead of that game on Thursday Jamie how are you? Hi uh, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on Well thanks for joining us Jamie uh, And giving us your insight How how are Porto looking at the moment? They obviously lost 2-0 Against Feyenoord In the last Europa League game I don't actually think they've They've played since um, That that was a result which raised a few eyebrows I think With Rangers fans having seen Feyenoord previously So was was that a was that a shock for, for Porto last time out? Uh, yeah I think it was I think that was the, the, the general consensus um, In Portugal uh, Not only amongst the fans But uh, in, in terms of the club as well uh, The manager Sergio Conceição Said after the game that he thought You know Feyenoord played a bit better than he thought, and and Porto were didn't didn't uh, show anywhere near what they were capable of. So, 
yeah, that, that particular result uh, combined with uh, the others we've seen so far has completely blown that group uh, apart at this at this stage. So, um, yeah, it definitely adds a bit of bit more intrigue to it because um, I think Porto would have been uh, most people's favourites on, mm. on paper. Yeah, I mean, we've certainly become to think of Porto, as I'm sure you do, very much as, as a Champions League team. If you look over the last number of seasons, they're very much a Champions League team. Does that mean that they drop into the Europa League with real designs on winning it and taking it seriously or they are perhaps not that bothered about it because they you know they they they, they feel that they should be at a different level. Yeah, that it was an in, that's an interesting point because um yeah, there was you know the the, the failure to to make the Champions League uh, was a real sort of uh, shock to the system and um there was a lot of discussion going on, you know, how seriously would they take it. Um Ultimately, in in Portugal, uh, a team like Porto, the the absolute number one competition is always going to be the domestic league. Um, so it could be a case of, you know, having to manage these group games and see if they can make it through, making some rotations, and then, you know, try and take the competition more seriously as it goes on. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, they've they, they they've won the the Europa League or or the UEFA Cup. A couple of times in their in their recent history too, so and they consider themselves a club with as having you know a bit of a cliche really, but as having a, a proud European history. So there's definitely something to honour there. So I I don't think uh, you know any rotations that they, they'll make during the competition they they won't be too severe. You know they'll, they'll always be putting out a pretty strong team to win. Who would be the obvious danger men? Who should be the the, the men that the Rangers fans should fear the most? Well, uh, I think from an attacking perspective, um, one would have to be uh, Musa Morega, who is a player, uh, you know, who's been in a few sort of transfer and gossip columns over the past couple of years. Um, he's a really sort of, you know, real nightmare uh, kind of player for defenders to deal with. He's got a huge physical presence and, uh, you know, one of these uh, guys who really closes down defenders, uh, presses high from the front and, doesn't give uh, the defenders a second on the ball. So he's definitely the one to watch um, uh, in an attacking sense. Whereas I'd, I'd say Danilo Pereira uh, as a, as a defensive midfielder is, is possibly pound for pound the team's best player. Um, you know, and he, he's someone that is very difficult to get past, but also can, can link uh, midfield to attack quite well. And uh, yeah. So if those two are on form, it's, um, yeah, it sort of sets up a, a strong spine to, to get through. Jamie, all four games in the group so far have been won by the home team. Does that crank up the pressure on Porto to maintain that on Thursday evening to get a home win and then it just gives them a little cushion over Rangers for the return to Ibrox in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I, th- I think so. Um, you know, they'll be looking to... Uh, you know, I think it's... Uh, you know, a common rule of thumb, really, that uh, you know you pick, pick up the points, uh, points in your home games, and that, that's generally going to be enough to to see you through to the knockout stages. And after beating young boys in the in the first game, and seeing what uh, final would have been like on the, on their travels, you know, you wouldn't uh, wouldn't bet against Porto beating final uh, late in the group. So definitely, um, and and the dynamic of this being uh, a double header. As you say, with with the away match to come, they'll be yeah definitely uh, fully focused on picking up a result and 
and would probably look at uh, you know if they were able to get four points, I think they'd, they'd probably take that as a as a, an acceptable. Uh, total from those two because you know Rangers can be very strong at home. Just before we let you go, Jamie, uh, is the is the Pepe that plays for Porto at the moment the same the same character that we're used to over the years? He is not shy. He likes to get involved um, with with strikers. And there's a, a Rangers striker, Alfredo Morelos, who's very lively as well. And I know a lot of people in this city have been looking at those two and wondering what type of battle they'll serve up on Thursday. Yeah, it's, uh, there's uh, I think both of both have shown plenty of fire uh, over the over the past few years, and Pepe for a long time, as you say. Um, oddly, uh, in many ways, um, since he came back to Porto, at least uh, Pepe's been relatively calm. I'd say certainly, um, certainly uh, compared to his real hostile, you know, moments for the national team and with Real Madrid. Um, one thing's for sure is that he, I think he's uh, I think he's thirty seven or thirty eight now, but he's still. Uh, Absolutely excellent defender. Um, you do get the odd firework, but they're just not as. Uh, maybe he's finally maturing. So, um, but uh, it could be a it could be a young upstart like Morelos that might uh, set him off again. Out of him, yeah. Good stuff. Well, that's certainly one to watch. Thank you very much to Jimmy, uh, a Portuguese football expert, giving us the insight into to Porto and all things that they'll possess against Rangers on Thursday. We're running a bit late for this. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the Scottish slash football. Beat the pundit time. You know the drill, but if you don't, it's your chance to come on, answer as many football questions as you can. And if you beat Roger Hanna or Gordon DL, you win a signed ball. It's as simple as that. 01419511025. Be quick, the lines close at seven. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors, the league leader for compensation. Talk to Thompson's.com. Roger Hannes here, Gordon DL is alongside him. We've been looking back a bit on some of the weekend's action. Lots of callers still wanting to get through uh, and speak about James Tavernier. We've also been previewing Celtic's home match against Lazio and Rangers' trip to Porto as well. So if you have any calls on the above, you can still get them in on 0141 951 And after we play Beat the Pundit, uh, we're going to look at that very significant study carried out yesterday uh, which concluded that footballers are three times more likely to die of dementia. That's clearly... A massive outcome for that study We're going to look at it We're going to hear from some of the experts We'll get Gordon's thoughts Having played the game for a long time as well Let's do Beat the Pundit first Beat the Pundit With the Scottish Sun For the best football news and opinion online Thescottishsun.co.uk Slash football It is Beat the Pundit time Roger has returned from his holidays He's still on minus one He'll be pleased to know uh, Gordon DL He's here minus as well uh, One of them's taking on Kerr from Stranraer tonight How are you Kerr? How are you getting on? Not bad Good stuff Kerr Have you ever played Beat the Pundit before? Is this your first time? Uh, just, just on my own in the lorry When ah. I'm driving along there oh. When the pressure's not on Do you usually fare quite well? I do alright But I could, it could fall to pieces tonight well, Let's find out if, I talk, the, if the coin lands on heads You're up against Roger Hanna And if it's tails It is Gordon DL And it is tails It's Gordon DL Against Kerr The lorry driver From Stranra. Let me give Gordon some Clyde 2 to listen to Right you can't hear us anymore Kurt So we'll get your questions ready You've got 30 <coughs> seconds Head to head with Gordon Remember the secret is You can pass So if you don't know it Just pass quickly And move on to the next question Okay Good man thank you Great stuff Your time starts Now What's the name of Dundee's home ground? Tanadice Oh Dens Park Which former Rangers And Hearts winger Is currently at Burton Albion Currently at what sorry Burton Albion Pass 
Which whiskey company sponsored St Johnston's strips between 86 and 89? Which whiskey company? Bells. Uh, what was the last English team Derek McInnes played for? Pass. Who did Celtic's last Champions League group stage win come against? Clues. Okay. They're tough questions tonight, Kerr, I must say. Uh, let's, oh, they bring, tough, they let's, tough. let's bring Gordon back. Gordon, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. Same set of questions to you, yeah? Yeah. What is the name of Dundee's home ground? Downs Park. Which former Rangers and Hearts winger is currently at Burton Albion? Uh, Pash. Which whiskey company sponsored St Johnston's strips between 86 and 89? Uh, Pash. What was the last English team Derek McInnes played for? Swindon. Who was Celtic? Who did Celtic's last Champions League group stage win come against? Uh, Pat, don't know. Who's been named as the new manager of Air United? And what year did Rangers last face Porto? Quickly. 2005. Okay. Kerr, he got through a couple more questions than you. Do you think that was costly? Uh, it was tough tonight. It was tough. It was tough. And the thing is, you made the, you, you made the, the blunder on the first question and you were kicking yourself and it threw you off. That's what happens. Let's go through them and find out. The name of Dundee's home ground is Dens Park. You went to Anadice. You went for the one down the road, Kerr, and then you started trying to change your mind. But unfortunately, I died then. I died then. Uh, I need to accept your first answer. So Gordon goes 1 0 in front. Uh, the former Rangers and Hearts winger who's currently at Burton Albion. David Templeton David Templeton Oh how did I not get that uh, st- Still 1-0 Which whiskey company Sponsored St Johnston's Strips between 86 Grouse. and 89 The Grouse. famous Grouse Yeah Well sorry getting them now When the pressure's off So you didn't <laughs> get it When it mattered Still 1-0 though uh, So Kerr's hanging in there Kind of Who was Celtic's Last Champions League Group stage win against Come on Roger What's oh, a very good oh, question Oh we stumped him you were seeing your head when you looked at it. I went past. Underlicked. Oh, no, I wouldn't get that. No? No, I wouldn't get that. Okay. I hope it's right now. Um, who's been named as Air United manager? It was Mark Kerr, so I'm afraid Kerr. That's Gordon out of sight. He's 2 0 up. And just to rub it in, he clearly guessed the last one and he got it Robbed right down. anyway. 2005. Rangers, Porto, one, one, one. 2005. Alan so McLeish manager. Kerr, it's a three for Gordon DL, and I'll say it quietly so none of your pals here. It was a zero You've for got you. Yeah, Craig Beatty, Kerr. Ah, uh, thanks very much, boys. All the best. Cheers, Kurt. Get back practicing in the lorry. We'll get you a second, second, uh, a rematch at some point, shall we? Oh, any time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's be honest, though. You were disappointed in yourself, David Templeton. I, I Gr- Grouse was a killer. I knew that. I don't know why I mm. never said it, but yeah. I didn't want to embarrass Kurt too much. Sure. Right. Okay. Uh, beat the pundit back at the same time tomorrow night. Uh, right. You may have heard this story on the news uh, yesterday or in your newspapers today. A hugely significant study has been carried out here in Glasgow and it's judged Roger Hanna that former footballers are approximately three and a half times more likely uh, to die from neurodegenerative disease than people who who didn't play football. Um, It was research at at Glasgow University. Massive study compared the deaths of almost 8,000 ex-players to 23,000 from from the general population. It's It's a huge finding, this. And whilst there is clearly still work to be done and we don't really know how it'll impact the game clearly people are now asking questions as to, to what should yeah, be done and, and people have been asking questions for a period of time you think um, of the families of a number of former footballers who, who passed away from these diseases at an early age and now we've got the scientific proof behind it and the thing that got me yesterday is I was reading parts of the study not just the sheer scale of the work that the university people have done but the results that, you know, they're not just 
one and a half times more likely. They're not just, you know, 5% more likely. The likelihood of them developing these diseases in old, you know, in later years is significantly higher. And, and there's now going to be a burden placed upon football's authorities um, to accept the findings of this study and to respond to the findings of this study. What is football going to do to help protect the current generation of players and future generations of mm-hmm. players so that they are not exposed to the same risks that previous generations of players sadly have been exposed to, Gordon? I mean, Gordon, it was a, a, the risk ranged from a five-fold increase in Alzheimer's, a, a four-fold mm-hmm. increase in motor neuron disease, a two-fold increase in Parkinson's disease. Quite simply, on a, on a human level, as a player who played football for many years, does that does that worry you? Did, what no, did you make of that? Massively gone. Uh, very, very shocked, first and foremost. When you start off, you never think that after your career, you know, this could happen to you uh, through the fact of playing a game that you absolutely loved. Uh, but Roger's right. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that people are now uh, working very hard to, 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 to try and get to the bottom of it, to stop it and, 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 and help the... The younger generation that's coming through, but I've got to say, uh, I know I like a laugh and a joke, but that was a uh, very serious when I read that. Uh, I mean, the nature of the study. This is not specifically about headering the football. I know that that's that's the the, the conversation that will will generally follow. That's not specifically uh, what the study was about. But but Dr. Willie Stewart, who led the investigation, accepts that you can clearly look and 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 make certain. Uh, estimates at this point that there, there could well be a link. We, we don't have ever data in these health records as to you know how many times they headed the ball. Um, um, that's not what the access we've got. But what we did look at was a surrogate of heading the ball, which is um, outfield players we assumed were more likely to head the ball than goalkeepers and more likely to be exposed to head injury uh, than, than goalkeepers. And when we look at that, although the numbers of uh, goalkeepers uh, dying of and with dementia was slightly lower, it wasn't statistically strong enough. Um, so we couldn't be absolutely certain it wasn't just a chance finding. But we looked beyond that to prescription medications for dementia, and these are only given for people with dementia. Um, what we did find was that our former goalkeepers are about half as likely to get prescriptions for dementia as outfield players. So that would make us think that we should look closely at what's happening in outfield versus goalkeepers. Uh, now, I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by Amanda Coppell, who many of you will know uh, has been campaigning hard for, for years on, on this type of thing um, after sadly losing her husband, Frank, around five years ago. Amanda, thank you very much for joining us. Hope you're well. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you for inviting me uh, on the programme. Delighted to have you, you, Amanda. Let's start with, with this, this specific study. Take us back to the... The moment that, that that you read it, or you found out the the outcome, how did it make you feel? Well, you know, as I've said to people yesterday, um, certainly I I cried quite a lot because, to be honest, um, it brought back very very painful memories of Frankie and his battle with dementia. Um, you know, over the six years. However, you know, the more I read into it, and that, um, I, it really filled me with a lot of hope. Um, you know that finally, you know somebody is doing something, and uh, and as I said yesterday, I I uh, cannot thank Dr. Stewart and his team enough for this fantastic um, you know report, the research that they they have been doing, um, and if it you know in the future saves lives, 
you know, that will be brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Oh and um, but yes, I it was a day of mixed emotions with me yesterday. Um, you know, first of all, as I say, um, you know, remembering the the the, the courageous battle that Frankie went through. Um, you know, during that journey with dementia, but also as I say. You know, filling me with a lot of hope because, you know, as I say, if it can save even ten people in the future, you know, everything will be worth it. And 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 I think you know, it's it's the start of a, a huge jigsaw, I think, and it's trying to place these pieces of the jigsaw, you know, in the various places. Amanda, I think without doubt, yourself and your family deserve an immense amount of credit for for the the pushing you've done for you know the publicity you've you've created around this topic. Just as Jeff Astle's family had down south, have done as you say, a day of mixed emotions. Did you did feel a degree of vindication yesterday that you know something that you you believe to be true now has now has a basis in science? <laughs> well, you know, it's I've never been the case of it's never been the case for me to say. Well, I told you so. Um, not even, you know, I would have thought that because I first, I mean, when Frankie was first diagnosed um, nearly 12 years ago, I just remember um, him sitting on the couch with me and saying, oh, well, Amanda, it's dementia. It's not the end of the world, is it? And I thought, well, no, Frankie, it's it's not the end of the world, but it's the end of the world as we had known, you know, because we knew each other from when we were eight and ten years old. I knew my husband like the back of my hand, and he knew me like that. And 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 I remember that night, um, Frankie going to his bed, and I called up one of our neurologist friends in America, and I said, um, you know, Ralph, we've had really dreadful news today. And Ralph spoke to me in in general about things, and he says, "Amanda, have you ever thought? Have you ever heard the word um, chronic traumatic encephalopathy?" Now, Willie, I hope I hope I've said that right. I know that Willie's <laughs> Willie's listening, so I hope I hope um, he's not going to give me a row for saying saying it wrong. But anyway, because he says it actually better than me, um, but then he's an expert. But you know, and I remember Ralph saying, look, I'm going to send you some information about that. Because he said at the time, you know, they had been dealing with a lot of sportsmen across in America. Um, and, you know, they had had trauma to the brain and that and various knocks to the head and that. And they were being diagnosed with dementia. And I started to think, well, was this maybe the cause Um you know, of Frankie's dementia because, you know, Frankie never really had any major health problems throughout his career and that. And um, so, you know, didn't smoke, hardly ever drank, ate healthily, exercised twice a day. Um, You know, he he was really a a great ex-professional and really kept himself fit. So it was... I suppose going through the the denial, the anger, the frustration, getting that that diagnosis, I still kept thinking, how can this be? How can this perfectly healthy man um, be diagnosed, you know, with dementia? It it just doesn't, there has to be a reason. And then I would think about, as I say, before we, you know, we met when we were eight and ten years old. And I would watch, I remember watching um, this young lad, of ten years old, actually heading balls across uh, at this. Well, he, he lived across. We lived across the road for each other, and he would be heading, practicing the heading of these hardly other balls against the side of his house, and then down in the park. 
And then I got to wonder, well, maybe it was a damage getting done to his brain even then. You know, you go through absolutely everything thinking, how did this happen? And so I, I am so grateful that this report has come out. And I know I'm not going to say to, you know, to any of the, the people that sort of basically said, what is she doing, you know, in the last 12 years, trying to tell us her job? No, um, I've never been trying to tell anybody their job. What I was trying to say is, could, you know, maybe this trauma to the head, um, maybe even in younger days and then carrying on throughout his football career, could that have been the cause? Because of, I think the public need to be aware as well too. There are many different causes of dementia. There are many different types of dementia, you know. So, and I think that needs to be brought to the fore as well too for the public. Amanda, thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated. You've worked Not tirelessly over the years, so it was great to get even just a, a small bit of your insight. Thanks again. Well, thank you very much. Thank great you. Stuff. That was Amanda Capel uh, telling us some of her story. Um, she's campaigned for a long time to get this topic uh, explored in, in greater detail after losing her husband Frank around five years ago. Uh, Roger, like we said, and, and, and Gordon's sort of spoken about his his personal feelings on it, having played the game, this links football to, to, to dementia and things like that. It, it doesn't strictly link headering of the football, although no. granted that's clearly, you know, a lot of people will then make, make that connection on their own. So, so what's... What's next then? Are we at a stage where um, clearly more research needs to be done first? But is it, is it likely that the, 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 the practising well, of heading the ball gets reduced? Or what, what type of solutions can you foresee? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. There needs to be more research. And now that a scientific link has been proven by the experts at Glasgow University, the football authorities, it now needs to be thrown open to them. And you would like, you know, this is maybe a good way to throw to everyone on Saturday when Fraser Wisher, Chief Executive of, of PFA Scotland, is on the show because Fraser, on behalf of his members, will be extremely interested in the findings mm-hmm. of this university report. Um, part of PFA Scotland, there, there's a duty of care to its members, to the footballers, um, going forward. And Fraser will want the football authorities, the SFA, the SPFL, you know, down south, the FA, Premier League, to, to look at what can be done to lessen this risk. Now, there's risks inherent in all sports. Tragic American boxer passed away last week after a, um, you know, a fight over there. You've seen a cyclist killed, another cyclist par- paralysed by road accidents in the, in the last few weeks. There is an inherent danger in all sport. But now in football, there is a clear mm. scientific link between playing the game and taking on these diseases in later life. And I think PFA Scotland and the other authorities will now want more research to find out more about those links and find out what can be done to safeguard players as much as possible. So where does football go from here? Well, Dr Stewart's got some suggestions. In rugby, a player who potentially has a concussion or potentially has a head injury is taken off, looked at uh, with an extensive series of tests. Now, I'm not sure it's perfect, far from perfect, but that 10 minutes off the park gives people a chance to figure out what's going on and maybe review some film and figure out what's going on. That doesn't happen in football. Football is all done on the run. I know they say there's a three-minute test, but I've yet to see that applied effectively. So I think all sports could actually start to say, rather than having a consensus paper on how to manage concussion, let's actually have consensus management on managing concussion. Let's just say now that if in doubt, sit them out. Scotland does that at grassroots across all sports. The only country that does that. 
Um, we have a Scottish concussion guidance that says, if in doubt, sit them out. That should apply throughout all sports, all levels of sport, everywhere, no matter what the sport is. So football, instead of this uh, on-field assessment um, that the doctors have to make in, in a real rush when the player's trying to run away from them and carry on, should, should be given the opportunity to get that player off and tested properly. And if that means putting another player on to fill their space, fine. That's what we need to do. Significant study released yesterday. What do you make of it? 01419511025. We'll be back with a full-time teaser next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Getting you full compensation is their goal. Talk to Thompson's.com. Roger Hanna and Gordon Diel here with me, Gordon Duncan, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Uh, lots of uh, reaction coming into the last section. We looked back on that study from yesterday, which found that former footballers are approximately three and a half times. That's a lot. Three and a half times more likely to die from neurodegenerative disease than the general population. Of course, people are, are making the, the link to, to headering the ball. At Jimmy's on Twitter, he says, What about the amount of football players who never played professionally? Play every week at fives or whatever. What about them? Are they less at risk? Well, that's a, 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 an extremely valid question, Roger. You would, you would have to say. Um, well, listen, I, this is one of these things that I, I actually don't know. There does need to be more research done on this. I think um, the work done by Willie Stewart and the people at Glasgow University will be invaluable going forward because as Amanda Capel says, if we can help one person, it will be all worthwhile. Um, she lost her husband. She was saying in the show there, you know, she'd known from the, the age of 10. Um, and since he passed away, she has fought for this day, for, for the day when a scientific link was proven. And now it's over mm. to the researchers and I think as well to the football authorities. The football authorities need to take the lead on encouraging more research into this and then looking at what can be done to protect the footballers. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you because I wouldn't do that. Mm. Tonight's teaser question is an absolute stinker. Absolute stinker. I mean, in a, in a good way, and in, in a testing way. It's been sent in by our old friend John Smith who always provides the difficult questions on a Tuesday. Um, not always, but, but by and large. And this one is tough. You're looking for 11 answers, but I will just settle for as many as you can get. Oh, is that hard? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a couple on there that pff, even Roger Hanna, even after some R&R, some studying in the sunshine for a week, I still don't think he's going to get them. So here's the question. Since 98, 11 players previously capped by their country have signed for either Celtic or Rangers. Mm-hmm. But have failed to make three appearances Once they got there So since 1998 11 players previously capped by their country Have signed for either Celtic or Rangers But failed to make even three appearances What about your your man uh, I think you might get I think I know what one you're going to say And I think it's right I can't remember his name (laughs) Ridiculous Um, This is going to sound silly Greg Taylor no No um... How no Funnily enough I wonder if this was sent in Is Compere one? Uh, Marvin Compere is the one Yes Marvin Compere Gordon. Well done Dan Egan Ah lovely <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might You'll be saying that For a few more of these Trust me e... This is what I love Because was... that, that's undeniably difficult But you two have got Two of them already Wait, Was Pippo Maniero Camp by Italy Before he came to Rangers? He is not one No Funnily enough He he appeared on last night's teaser Can I say again Greg Taylor Um, No So he signed after 98 Yeah Mm -hmm. 
And he was previously capped by his country Yeah As a commander yeah. Yeah. He's not made and, three and appearances And he's made three appearances yeah. for Celtic Rangers We'll add him to the list Okay thanks Well done Roger You tell that smudger <laughs> Uh, Probably researched it before the which, transfer window closed These things happen <laughs> you, you, th- you can't research a question like that overnight John Smith doesn't get them wrong mm-hmm. Some of the people who send them in might He doesn't Marvin Compare, Dan Egan, anymore? Greg Taylor No nope. <laughs> You've added them to the list, we've now got 12 Well regardless, you're still looking for another Another 9 Yes Okay, that's a good start, that's well done uh, Marvin Compare, Celtic Has been capped by Germany Made one Celtic appearance Dan Egan was capped by Norway Came to Rangers Less than three appearances What about the big Dutch winger For Celtic Roger? Um, oh, oh Dirk Britka Yeah No Oh great effort <laughs> Great effort What about the Venezuelan lad At Celtic Fernando de Ornelas How do you How do you How do you do that Honestly Signed for Celtic in 2000 I've never Venezuelan heard Venezuelan I knew you wouldn't have What's his name again? Fernando, Fernando De Ornelas the, the only reason I get, remember Get him me is... in mushroom this on Thursday And I bet he was still <laughs> I, I think he was in the papers at the time Miku signed Because was Miku not the second Venezuelan To right, sign for okay. Celtic After De Ornelas Tell you what That week in the sun has done him a world of good That was I had that down as one of the ones you wouldn't get So brilliant Okay Marvin Compere Fernando De Ornelas And Dan Egan See if you can get any on Twitter At Clyde SSB And even better If you want to hear your question on the show in the future Send it into fulltime at Clyde One Dot com. Roger, another Roger is in Uddingston. Hi, Roger. Evening, guys. Hey, Roger. How are we doing? Um, after my, my call on, on Friday regarding Rangers winning Europa League, I oh, thought uh, they'd apply. I thought the guy back for that question, the Celtic fan, was an absolute belter, by the way, when he says it. I don't think the beat's in a final. I'm <laughs> a wee chuckle at that. I must have, that was really good. Roger, you caused <laughs> chaos on Friday, but let me, let me thank you. It was good chaos. That's the beauty of a phone in. <laughs> No matter what we think or plan, one call just changes the direction and we love it. So thank you very much. Gordon, may I say I might change my mind come March, April time, <laughs> right, okay. but that's another story. <laughs> uh, Gordon, if you missed this, Roger called in to basically yeah. say um, he just wanted to throw it out to his fellow Rangers fans. He would rather win the Europa League than stop Celtic winning nine in a row. And it just blew up. So it Well went, done, Roger. Yeah, that's we go. good. That's a good mm-hmm. point. I hope, I hope you've got a less uh, controversial point tonight because Gordon I, I, needs I, to get focusing on this teaser. Yeah. I, do, I do actually It's just regarding James Tavernier now, I, I'm, I'm a fan um, I don't think he's a captain of Rangers I've been brought up with your Teddy Butchers Richard Goff John Gregg as well Barry Ferguson um, Fernando Rickson God rest his soul Guys like that who are competitive I don't think I think he's got that in, in his locker However I think he's a talent And I would rather play him Further forward on a kind of right wing back and play a normal defender, like it says in the tin, like Flanagan or Ian Other. It can play right back and defend and let Tavernier wreak havoc in the opposition's box rather than their box. That's basically my point. See, the thing is, Roger, and I totally understand your point here, but I was on the show last week with Fraser Wisher, very average fullback, but nevertheless, <laughs> he played fullback. <laughs> And I've been on the show with Mark Wilson, very average fullback. Nevertheless, he's played fullback with Celtic. And they both say the same. As a fullback, you sometimes get players that are better seeing the full length of the pitch, Gordon. Rather than being one up, sometimes when you're back to play, Roger, I've been in the game a long time. I know you're, you, you maybe argue here, right? I'm telling you now, players like Tavernier for me. Could not play one in front. Well, I'm I'm not arguing with you. I'm going to 
Give you the support of a man called Patrice Evra Who was in television last night Covering the Monday Night Football And was speaking about The way Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Moved the Manchester United formation To cope with Liverpool at the weekend mm. He played three centre-backs And he changed to two wing-backs And he was talking about the lad Aaron Wan-Bissaka And Evra Who had played left-back In a conventional back four For Sir Alec Ferguson Then moved to Juventus And was asked to play left wing-back And he said even as a very experienced player He found the change to be you know, absolutely bizarre. It's a completely mm. different position. It is really and he, he was focusing on the lad Juan Bissaka, who played all his football as a right back for Crystal Palace or for Manchester United, and was asked to just step up a wee bit. You wouldn't think it was a huge difference, but it was just pointing at the difficulties Juan Bissaka, a fifty million pound player, is it more common w- was having? Is it more common? I'm I'm just trying to think, and I, I can't off the top of my head. I feel like there are wingers who get turned into fullbacks. The other way around mm-hmm. I, 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 Can you think of any Can you think of any fullbacks Who've successfully Been moved further up the field That's not to say there aren't any I just can't think of them mm, That's a good one You know but it's quite common When you see a I would rather take that As a full time <laughs> uh, There is no definitive answer I don't think But you know It is quite common The other way around Yeah but, but I can understand That a supporter going along And looking at Tavernier And you think Right His weakness in his game is probably his defending and he's getting caught out with mistakes just now and getting punished so let's keep him in the side and put him one mm-hmm. forward it would take away his strength Gordon it really would as a, a forward thinking fullback, and that's why Stephen Gerrard will not change that and he will play whether you think and Roger's other point whether you think that Tavernier's a captain or not I, I look at the Rangers side Who would you Who would you probably have As captain then If it wasn't Tavernier Would it be a Davis Because he's Oh McGregor McGregor goalkeeper Away at the back You know Sometimes we get carried away With this You know Captaincy Stephen Gerrard Who was a captain Of Liverpool Must have seen Something in Tavernier That Not just on the pitch But probably in the Dressing room You mm-hmm. know On the training ground So For an experienced Captain who went on to lift the European Cup, the Champions League, then you've got to admit that he sees the captaincy leadership in Tavernier. And I've got to say that I've no problem with Tavernier be captain either. I was a captain yeah, we, at we, we Ray go. On you go, keep going. So, so, go, go, uh, Gordon Dale, this is for you. Uh, November 1981, I yeah. was at the Rangers then at Celtic Park, and we played Celtic, and you were on, you started that game, you scored a diving header, if I remember rightly, oh. inside the six yard box. Well, it was 30 yards, I think. You're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I think no, you're getting I, mixed I up, mate. Three each, it was an absolute brilliant game, three each, three. and I remember the, the team read out, and well, I was just Gordon the boy, but hey, you did all right, mate, so thank you for that. Thank you very much, Roger, yeah, and remember, <laughs> it was 30 yards, mate, if you're telling me. <laughs> no problem, pal. Uh, brilliant, that was Roger and Nuddingson. Thank you very much for the call, Roger. 01419511025, still time to get your calls in. I, I guess it's a bit like the old Scotland dilemma. Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney If it was as simple as playing one of them in front of the other We would have stuck with it a bit longer And it would have worked by now So there must be something in it Because those two, in case you hadn't noticed, are pretty good um, But even for them it doesn't seem to click No, um, and it will still be an easy decision for Steve Clark As long as Kieran Tierney's kicking his heels in the bench at Arsenal Which is ridiculous in itself um, He will find a way of getting the tour into the Scotland team because we are not sufficiently blessed with talent to leave one of those players on the bench. And whether it means Tierney at left-back and Robertson one-on, whether it means Robertson at left-back and Tierney at right-back, whether it means Tierney as a left-wing-back and, uh, sorry, Robertson as a left-wing-back, Tierney as a left-centre-back, they will both be in the team 
Once Tierney's in that Arsenal team Any doubt for you two And listen the, the thing about this James Tavernier debate Is it's so polarising Like it's been here for a while And it, it, it ain't going away Rangers fans are completely split on it Any doubt whatsoever That he starts on Thursday No, no He'll play on Thursday okay. he'll play, And he'll play it right back Okay, we'll revisit that I'm sure in the coming days uh, Tonight's teaser And if you want to hear your question on the show Please do send it into fulltime at Clyde1.com It doesn't have to be as difficult as this Because, you know, on Thursday night It's Gordon Dale and Mark Wilson So it may be a bit easier And Hugh Keevans and Alex Ree Ain't particularly good at them either So since 98, 11 players Previously capped by their country Have signed for Celtic or Rangers But failed to make three appearances Oh, Roger! He's, I told you he's, he's, he's done you He's got everything covered Has John Smith mm-hmm. It's my fault to be fair For not reading out I've just spotted the note This does not include Current old firm players Oh well they're making up There he is There he are I will show yeah. oh, I don't want to show you the answer there In black and white Oh no, you've shown me the answers um, So Listen John We'll zip through this now Dad. Yeah. Uh, Right you've got Marvin Compere Dan Egan And Fernando De Ornelas I'm going to come out With a guess I watched him last night at Arsenal bench Freddie oh, Lingbert No he made it? more than Three Celtic appearances I uh, think What about Ian uh, Wright Did he make more than three It's not him He's not one Okay Um. What about Raphael Shade No He make more than that Did he He's not one And you think Do we Yep do we or do we, do we not? Well done, Roger. <laughs> Numerous uh, China caps, but didn't make it. I think, was it one Celtic appearance? I think it was. Yeah, he certainly didn't make it. The three, Clyde, so. I remember the day lost in the cup at Clyde. What about the, uh, Daniel Prodan? He's producing. <sighs> Keep going, Roger. This is this is an outstanding display of think, punditry. You, you need to think that it was 98. There's 98 for a reason. So somebody signed in 98. So I'd think back at the ones that signed. I remember. When Advocat was him, the Rangers manager Psychoanalyzing the question There was a couple of Finnish lads saying Who didn't do very much Tero Pintila and Marco Kaupila No No Not so smart now no. nah, And he also good. signed I can't remember whether he was capped or not Marcus Gale No No Okay we'll leave it there You're making surprisingly good progress on this <laughs> Since 98 11 players previously capped Signed for Celtic or Rangers But have failed to make three appearances And current players for the old firm don't count So guys like Comper Fernando De Arnelas Dan Egan Daniel Prodan And Dewey I can't believe you've got so many We'll try and get the rest next Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors The form team for compensation For more than 40 years Talk to Thompson's.com Roger Hanna and Gordon DL Here with me Gordon Duncan The reason I'm laughing Is because after 25 minutes Gordon DL's just asked uh, For the question to be repeated again On the teaser no, I, I don't know how many not. times to say this Right since 98, 11 players previously <laughs> capped by their country Have signed for Celtic or Rangers But failed to make three appearances Guys like Marvin Comper, Dan Egan, Daniel Prodan, Dewey And Fernando De Ornelas Yeah, we're through some d- different areas What about Philip Sebo? Nope mm-hmm. Oh, what a shout that is, Roger like Some of these guys that Paul Le Guin brought in Carlos Fenson? No mm. He, uh, you've probably got the... Only Paul Le Guin signing, I think. Have we? Mm-hmm. Who? Oh, sorry. No, there are no others. Is what I meant to say. Ah. There are none. I was getting confused what with Dan Egan. Uh, Francis Jeffers. Nope. Mm. Okay, you've got one. 
Jan Inga Ber- Berget? No. No, I'm now looking at uh, Dylan signing. Kevin may play Miltree. Yes, played plenty. Andrew. Right, you've got, what's that one? You've got three Rangers left and three Celtic. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you some more thinking time. Um, I might need to give you a clue. There's a goalie in there. Mm-hmm. That's your clue. A goalie. Dimitri Karin. Nope. A Rangers goalie in there. Rangers Who's that goalie. for a clue? That's a good clue. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't help. I'm trying to think. Jesper Christensen. Closer to home. Not that close, but closer. Steve Simonson. He wouldn't be camped, would he? Nope. Roy Carroll. Yes. There we are. There we go, Roy Carroll. Okay, I'll give you more thinking time. Let's speak to Russell and East Bright. Hi, Russell. Hi, how you doing? Good, thank you, Russell. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, just two points. Um, I'm a Rangers fan. Uh, uh, I, I like uh, James Tavernier. Um, I think he should be kept within the team. Again, I'm on the side where I think he should be moved up a little bit. Um, I've had the captaincy to go to maybe Steve Davis, given his experience internationally. He's been up and down the country. Um, the second point is. Uh, you, you obviously touched on the, the, the dementia debate earlier on. Um, I worked in India with people with dementia, and it's, it's easy to assume that it's it's all physical and, and head contact and you know the rest of it. But um, I think when you're dealing with you live a high profile life like that, you're in the you're in the limelight, so people are you know, criticise you quite a lot. So you're you're living with stress, um, depending on how well or or how not so well you, you play and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that can kind of get to you as well. I think you kind of maybe linger on that a little bit, and I think that's maybe a part or certainly a, a part towards depression and uh, other mental health issues. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point, Roger, because we I've repeated it a couple of times and want to do it again. People can make the connection if they want, and it's not to say that they're wrong. But the study yesterday was not about heading the football; it was about mm-hmm. footballers yeah. and, and, in, in general it's being a more very likely. Valid point. And that is why, as we said earlier on in the show, and Russell's right, that there needs to be more research into this because they have ticked a lot of boxes, the research from the people in Glasgow University, and they have shone a light into this issue. What now needs to be done is there now needs to be more detailed research to look at the real causes. If it's, if it's not caused simply by heading the ball, why is there these results thrown, mm-hmm. thrown up by the university um, research? Because the scope of the research was enormous. Mm-hmm. 32,000 or so people examined. It's not as if they've gone out and asked a dozen folk in the street. It's fantastic, a fantastic depth of research. But there now needs to be more detailed research that needs to come off it, you know, and look at different aspects of the findings. And it needs to embrace all the stakeholders, if you like. The SFA, the SPFL, PFA Scotland, they all need to look at it and they need to come together. Whether it's a working group, you know, pulled mm-hmm. together to examine, but we need to do something now that the link is established to work out what we're going to do about it. I think just finally, it's also important to underline this is not proof that uh, football is bad for you because the study also showed that whilst former footballers did have higher dementia rates they actually had lower rates of death due to other major diseases yeah. based around the fact that they are fit and healthy um, heart, I think it was heart disease and, and things like that so it's, it's, this isn't about football being bad uh, Russell that was a, a really important point I'm glad you brought it up thank you very much we're running very short on time so I'm going to have to move it on but please if it ever comes up again Russell please do give us a call back it sounds like you've got plenty to add on that front let's squeeze in Greg and Solcote. Hi Greg 
Hi there. Um, all right, uh, Bono. I'm just, uh, I'll put my tops. Put my tops worth in there with Tav. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I don't think he should be stripped of the captaincy. Um, I think that could, uh, in some, send him into a downward spiral, if you like, um, and maybe lose confidence. But here's a wee question for the panel. Um, Tavernier becomes eligible for Scotland's national team next year um, through playing in the country for five years now. We see all these other international teams doing it. Um, France, I've got all the Algerians and stuff like that playing with them. Is it not about time that we actually started doing this and um, grabbing players mm. that are in this country, um, obviously not by birth, but when they've been playing here for five years, is it not about time that we nicked them? Because um, he's not going to get capped by England. Yeah, I mean, there is a, I follow the logic, Roger. Greg raises the point, but we... James Tavernier won't be eligible to play for Scotland no, I think next there's year. an agreement between the four home nations that they're not going to exploit um, these loopholes. Um, it's funny, you look at the Rugby World Cup, and uh, almost every team seems to be filled with players from almost every other nation. You know, there, there are uh, yeah. loopholes all over the rugby eligibility. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Japanese team that beat Scotland, you look at the Scotland team, you know, there's players from all over. The likes of Sam Johnson's come in because. Of residency rules He came to Glasgow To play for Glasgow Warriors He stayed in out place For Scotland Despite the fact He's a face, you know, officially an Australian If you like But I think the four home nations Don't want to exploit it To the extent that You could have English guys like Tavernier Coming in playing for Scotland That makes sense Greg right, see, so that, that, Aye of course it does Of course it does um, I just wish we would um, Exploit it a wee bit more I yeah. mean not so much We English players Or home nation players But there's uh, loads of players here in Scotland who have been here and been playing for five years, you know. But, you know, it might be better than what we've got just now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Unfortunately, at the moment, it doesn't look like it's something we can explore. But thank you very much to Greg and Solcoats for the suggestion. Let's try and round off the teaser. Mm-hmm. I'll do it a bit earlier than usual because you've got a lot of work to do anymore. What about Alejandro Bedoya? No. Mervyn Chillick? No. Hmm. Clues clue time Gordon okay. Fortune starts Come on uh, What about Remember Do you remember Rangers transfer activity In 2015 What was especially Significant about Rangers transfers In 2015 Remember a batch Of players arrived oh, Newcastle From Newcastle uh-huh. Gail Biggeremana No keep naming them Kevin Mbabu Keep going Oh the other one Shane Ferguson Shane Ferguson, Shane Ferguson Yeah Played in a playoff against Motherwell, didn't they? Uh-huh. Uh, right, uh, we're going all the way back for this one to 2000, and he's actually Scottish. This one, mm. if I named his other Scottish club, I think you'd get it. Mm-hmm. Well, I what do positions you play? He was a defender, mm. Rangers or Celtic? Rangers, Rangers, play. Mm-hmm. defender came in in 2000. Yep, Dick Advocate signing. Um, Hearts Came from Hearts Paul Ritchie mm-hmm. There you are oh. Paul Ritchie Which means you've got Three Celtic Three Celtic to go yeah. Really tough Right um, What about a Frenchman Who came in 2010-11 Oh Olivier Capo Yes Olivier Capo um, A Swede Who came on loan In 2013 This is tough Came on loan to Celtic Just in case MD's listening Gordon I'm still here Oh are you? Great <laughs> <laughs> He was a goalie 
Sweden. A Swedish goalie in 2013. If you if you can't Came get it from that, I'm going to have to. Yeah, I mean we're talking. He didn't play, did he? That's the whole point of the question. Victor Noring. Oh, nah. he played for Hearts, didn't he? Uh, and the last one, really, really tough. A Slovakian who came on loan to Celtic 2012-13. Last one, really, really tough. Uh, that, listen, you've done really well. I did say I would just see how many you could get. I didn't expect you to get them all. I think this is a stretch too far. I don't. Even, I must admit, I don't remember this guy myself. Ready? Go for it. Lubos Kaminar. Kaminar. However, you pronounce that surname. No. Anyone? Uh, Tumbleweed? No. Great. We're back tomorrow at six with Jim Duffy and Mark Guidi. Stephen Mill is up next. Here we are. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. They play to win every time. Talk to Thompsons.com.